Yes, I know what you think of me. You never shut up. Never shut up. Never shut up. Never shut up. Good morning, everybody. Today is Wednesday, February 28th, 2024. I'm your host, Ephraim Jr., and today we pulled She's Your Cocaine. Good morning, everybody. Hi, happy Wednesday. I hope you're doing well. I'm back filling in for Rose Cress. I'm your guest host. I've been the host. I've been the co-host. Now I'm the guest host. I feel jiggled. I feel like jostled around, (laughs) jiggled around. But I'm happy to be here for this lovely Wednesday. As I sit here and breathe, it's Tuesday evening and I definitely woke up very early. First of all, I went to bed very late. And then I woke up very early because PJ Harvey pre-sale tickets went on sale today. I don't know if you've heard her new album, I Inside the Old Year Dying. That album has renewed my love of PJ Harvey in a way that the other, like the last three or four albums just were unable to do. And I really wanted to support this album and I really wanted to see her perform this album. I've never seen PJ Harvey ever in my life, but something, it became like this need to see her at the Greek, even though I hate the Greek, you know I hate the Greek. So I'm going to see PJ Harvey. I got two cute little tickets. Um, they're cute. They're cute little tickets. And I'm going to see PJ Harvey in October at the Greek perform this album and hopefully resolve my gaping wound, which is not having seen PJ Harvey before. I hope it's a good show, y'all. But I got up at six this morning to get the pre-sale code and to get into the waiting room so that I would be like, I want to be the first in line. Of course that didn't happen, but when the waiting room finally opened and I got put into the queue, I was 267, which is really great, I thought. Considering that when my friend tried to buy Eurovision tickets for us, he was like 126,000 in line in the queue. So when the queue number popped up and it was 267, I was like, yes. I was so excited. I, got, I started to get the like, you know, the the computer hand shakes. Like, oh my God, am I going to be able to pull this off? Can I be steady? Just gravitate towards the best seats that come up on the map. Don't second guess yourself, which I did. I got fourth row in the, like the section right beyond the pit. Perfect. Center, fourth row. Boom, boom, boom. Had them in my cart. Fucking, let me tell you, it's my own mistake. My card did a auto fraud detection. And so it gave me like a text message, but I didn't realize it had sent me a text message because I was doing it on my desktop. Anyway, I panicked at that moment when it said didn't go through. I hit back, which refreshed the whole screen and took away my tickets, canceled my order. So I ended up with not as good seats as I originally had, but they're still cute and they're still little and I'm very excited to go. And the Greek is a venue that I have some trauma with and I'm excited to maybe heal that trauma. PJ Harvey's My Cocaine. This song is off of 1998's From the Quagra Hotel. It's widely rumored, allegedly, to be about another female musician and another male musician. And it's a scathing takedown. The original diss track. Yesterday we were living in hope. Today we're living in anger. That's what that's what the bag is saying. You know what? All that hope nonsense. The bag is tired. <laughs> the bag is pissed off. The bag didn't get to sleep until really late last night. So we're cocaining today. I think the song will help us to remember today. I'm thinking that the song could help us as we look back on our lives or as we look back on a certain situation, having seen the hope in the light, you know, trying to actually believe that there is hope helps you to reframe an old situation where maybe you didn't have so much hope. Maybe you were really, really angry about that situation. And so it's important to revisit that side of it as well. Maybe that's what the bag is saying. I started therapy again today. I've got a new therapist. You know, my therapist suddenly became out of network and it was just a, I was again jiggled around. But I started with a therapist today and I have to tell you, my last therapist 
I loved him a lot. I did like him a lot. I thought he helped me a lot. But what I realized with this therapist, just from our intake session today, okay, it's a gay man, first of all, and he's an older gay man. He has that very, like, radical fairy vibe. Do you know the radical fairies? They're, like, the oldest gay group in the United States. And they're just very, like, these zen fairies, right? He had this very radical fairy vibe, this Mattachine society vibe. I was a little nervous because... Not that I was actively trying to pull the wool over my previous therapist's eyes, but like if I didn't bring up certain things, he wouldn't know to ask certain things because I think he is cis, gendered, heterosexual man. Whereas this guy, Brian is his name, saw me right away. He said, okay, what brought you to therapy? And I said, well, it started three years ago when I accidentally slept with someone I loved. <laughs> and I just told the whole story. And through me telling the story of what brought me to therapy initially, he saw me and it was really, really scary. And he said, what did your old therapist do that really helped you? And I said, you know, he, I really liked the sort of talk therapy, but what I really need is more homework. And he's like, oh, I do that. I can give you homework. And he gave me throughout the course of this hour such a list of things to accomplish by next week. I'm like, wait a second. I, it freaked me out. It scared me because I really understood by the end of the hour that this man was going to hold me to the fire. You know, he's going to force me to confront my she's your cocaine past to arrive at the Emmanuel future, if that makes sense. If you listened to yesterday's episode, it was about hope. It's about having hope, seeing the light. So he's going to force me to confront all of these things that I have signaled and have believed have been healed. And we're about to find out. I am scared. I'm terrified. My, in my impulse at the very end of it was like, I got to get a new therapist. <laughs> no, but like, I'm really going to try to rise to the occasion. I'm going to try to rise to this challenge, you know? So... Here's some things that he told me to do. He said, okay, I want you to first start with a list of everything that you would like to talk about here in this space. And this will guide our sessions, right? We're not going to get to all of them in one day. We're not going to get to even maybe more than one of them in one day. And one of them may take several sessions. But write down the list of everything that you think we need to discuss here. So I thought that was a really good exercise because it, he says it forces you to be present in your own therapy. I'm like, oh my God, you're so good. And so that was that one. And then he said I had to get out of my house and walk around. I don't know how he saw that I haven't been doing that, but he saw it. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, but you know, every time I go outside of my apartment, someone's screaming and someone's having a crisis and I just, it's a lot to deal with. And he said, just put your earbuds on and walk the other way. I'm like, well, I guess I could do that. <laughs> so that's another one. Um, I'm supposed to read these two articles that he recommended ah. and um, a radical move. He said, I'm supposed to continue my life as normal and hanging out as often as I do, but to spend one night, can you believe this crap, to spend one night out as I would normally in an establishment that has alcohol and not drink and just see what that feels like. I'm like, this sounds awful, <laughs> sir, but I don't know. I don't know. I think he thinks that I'm a lazy alcoholic is what I think he thinks. Um, no, I'm ready to confront my seizure cocaine past. I'm ready to, you know, when Tori's like, it's not about this and it's not about this. It's about this. And she's, she, she says, it's not about this. And she like holds herself like she's scared. And it's not about this where she like is really aggressive with some fists. It's about this. And she like centers and aligns herself. That's what I'd really like to get to. I'd really like to put the seizure cocaine behind me. I'd really like to not have other people determine my moods. Other people determine my path. You know, 
he talked a lot about codependency. Like, do I know what that is? And I said, yeah, of course. And then he asked me to explain it. And I did. And I was wrong. (laughs) He said, it's not about needing to be around other people, but about what you take from other people. And that's kind of what I've been thinking lately, which is how much do I need from someone else? Like, fill it, fill the Fill the hole myself, you know, put my own Mr. Zebra sweater on. Yeah, it's cold in my hole. I'm going to knit myself a sweater. You see, I'm mixing songs. I'm mixing eras even. Embarrassing. So I think She's Your Cocaine is a good reminder. You know, I think that this is one of her angriest songs. I think whatever she went through to write Pele and Choir Girl, I think a lot of anger comes out in this song, which I think is why it kind of disappeared. You know, it disappeared until she was back in character, you know. And then when she was in character, it wasn't Pip who did this song. It was Santa because I think she saw a different side of it or she was playing it from a different side because I don't think she was angry anymore. And that's good. You know, when you can turn She's Your Cocaine, when you can see the cocaine, the she that's in She's Your Cocaine, when you can step into that side of it. Because I think if Tori... 98 Tori is performing the song. She's othering the she. Tori is othering the she. She's saying she is your cocaine. She's pointing at someone. That person is your cocaine. However, it might be interesting to consider in 2007 on the Doll Posse tour if she wasn't performing She's Your Cocaine as the she, you know, because it was suddenly sexy. You know, she was like, she was splashing margaritas on everybody. She was, was that raspberry swirl? I don't know, right? She's your cocaine, Santa. Oh, God. It's so hard to keep all the facts, but you know, it was a, it felt like maybe it wasn't as angry. And so it's a good lesson to us all, I think, to remember moments where we were, to not like just gloss over them, pretend they didn't happen, but to remember the moments where we were maybe a little bit desperate, to remember the moments where we were angry, you know, so that we can reframe our future, so that we can look at these, when we get to those moments again, we can maybe play them out in different ways. Oh, that's nice. That would be nice, you know? I think if I had a goal in this life, it would be to be solid, to be a solid person for other people to depend on, to rely on, and to be there for other people. I think that would be, if I had one life goal, that would be it. And I don't think you can get there when you're angry and you're playing out certain scenarios that have happened in your past. You know, it's funny with trauma too. It's funny with like anything that happened to you. When he asked me to tell him briefly, like he asked like the pivotal questions, like tell tell me about your family. Tell me about your mother, your father. Are you close with them? Do you have siblings? Are you close with them? And all of this like weird stuff popped out. <laughs> like the truncated version of the why, you know, like maybe we're not so close and this is why. But devoid of the context of like the years leading up to scenarios, devoid of the context, it just sounds like chaotic. It sounds like I could see that maybe I have lived out a lot of my traumatic patterns throughout my life, you know? Maybe I do rely on certain coping mechanisms and that those are learned from childhood because of whatever happened. You know, I was kidnapped. Did I tell you I was kidnapped when I was a child? Anyway, I was kidnapped when I was a child. And I think what I didn't ever consider is I think that that maybe plays a lot into... (laughs) I know that I'm being flippant about it, but it's true. And I think that just by saying that out loud to him as like part of my, just like the basic bullet points of who I am, he's like, wait, 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 let's unpack that for one second real quick. Like maybe this triggers this. And like, this is the first session with this guy. So I'm like, oh, he's gonna make, he's gonna make me work through some stuff, I think. I like it. I don't wanna be a false light. I wanna have light. I really wanna, I really wanna be solid. So she's your cocaine. 
Good reminder. I was at the 98 Tory show in Albuquerque and I was there with my friend Kathy. I've told a story where um, Kathy really didn't like Tori Amos and the only song that she really liked was Famous Blue Raincoat. And But I had two tickets and she was my best friend and she went with me and I was so grateful that she went with me because I knew she really didn't like Tori. And she was like, I hope she plays Famous Blue Raincoat. And I was like, honey, that ain't never gonna happen. Um, and she played Famous Blue Raincoat in Albuquerque 98 and you can hear Kathy on the bootleg screaming thank you, which is like, I, I, I had never even screamed thank you at a Tori Amos concert before and she was crying through the whole song it was really you know it was a really good moment but another moment from that show i had gone there my friend who i was really interested in and my he was my roommate his name was chris with a k he had tickets with his friend and so he was there and then at the end of the concert or maybe a couple days later he's like i loved when she did she's your cocaine and i was like what and he said you know how she was like, you don't need one of these to let me inside of you. And she grabbed her crotch. And I said, that didn't happen. That never happened. He's like, yes, it did. And I said, no, it didn't. She didn't play that song. He had this like vivid memory of her having done that during She's Your Cocaine. I'm like, she didn't play that song. And this was prior to Tori set, you know, but I was confident. And of course she didn't play that song. I know, I know my set lists, you know, anyway, that's another She's Your Cocaine memory. I love She's Your Cocaine. Remember she used to do a Sweet Leaf? Oh, I'm going to play my favorite She's Your Cocaine. I'm going to play my favorite She's Your Cocaine. It's from New Orleans, 98. And she just goes off at the end. And is it any wonder, is it any wonder that this performance, the most unhinged, angry, I think, she ever got during this song, and there were a lot of, like, angry improvs, but that the most angry was in New Orleans when possibly confronted with the source of the pain, you know, just by being in New Orleans, the Belle of New Orleans, you know. So let's consider today paying tribute to our angry youth and taking that as a lesson. Cheese your cocaine is our lesson. We got to quit doing cocaine. Get your nose out of the gutter. Get your nose out of the gutter. Get your nose out of the cookie jar, you know, a little flour on your nose there. It's time to dust off your nose for all time. Oh, my God. I think, I don't know. There are certain patterns in my life that I find such great comfort in that maybe aren't the healthiest patterns. Let's take drinking, for example. I really enjoy going out with friends, being social, and having a few drinks. I enjoy it. Is it healthy? Absolutely not. I'm sure of it. Would it be better probably for my physical body and everything to stop? Probably. But is it a pattern that I'm incredibly uncomfortable with even the idea of thinking of quitting? Yes. You know, I've gotten past the drinking in my house. I never used to drink alone ever, at home ever. And then pandemic rolled around and, you know, what could you do? And then all the stuff in 2021 happened. And of course I couldn't, I was just trying to survive, you know, I was just trying to survive. So I've gotten back to the place where I never drink alone. I never drink at my house, you know, but that does not, that is not the marker of like a healthy relationship with alcohol. Just because I don't drink alone doesn't mean... I'm not, I'm not always looking for someone to go to the precinct with me, you know? So I think that's what he wants to confront with me. And maybe it's time. Maybe this came out of the bag to talk about substance. Maybe this came out of the bag to talk about um, placebos for, or like things that you use to feel good. People even, substances. Um, just consider it. You slash me. Consider it, maybe. We'll see. I don't know. I guess part of being solid is being, um, I guess the only part of being solid is being emotionally well. And if you're playing out traumatic patterns or numbing, numbing yourself from things, that's not maybe emotionally well. And, and maybe that's definitely not solid. <laughs> maybe definitely not. So that's where we've arrived today. She's your cocaine. Have a good day. Bye. 
Shut Up is a production of the Sideways Society. For more information and links to things mentioned on the show, please visit us online at songsoftoriamus.com. Yes, I know what you think of me. You never shut up.